0: This is CliffCentral.com.
1: Bonjour, Jumbo, salam to all of you who are tuned into the Fashion Lab on Cliff Central today. My name is Lisa Gumbo regisford and I'm holding it down with my co-host, Morwick Peterson. Good
2: afternoon, everyone.
1: And our senior trend analyst, Nicola Cooper. Hi, everybody. Yep, so Fashion Lab is the first uh, fashion business radio show to go live on air in the world. Our Fashion Lab show is focused on the different aspects and elements and dynamics of the fashion industry in Africa. And obviously, this is through our uncensored and scripted conversations with with key thought leaders um, within the fashion industry. Morwick, you look very nice in that yellow. Nicola, you're looking very amazing in that... Jacket do you want to just describe to our audience quickly what you
3: what i 'm wearing
1: i 'm very, very lucky to be wearing a piece from Guillotine, which
3: is uh, Lisa Jaffe, a well known South African designer um, She sourced Basutu blankets in Lesotho and then uh, contemporized them into winter coats, so it is uh, an item of heritage that's been contemporized Into this amazing it's coat That's super warm Beautiful
2: And how serendipitous This afternoon That we all come in And we have Local pieces on I mean my bow ties Local Moe's Liz has um, Liz Ogomba on Also a nice print And then Nicola comes in With her Basutu coat And we just We're pushing local We are You know bec- we, I, I, I we We're local. pushing local We live local <laughs> Yeah But since we're speaking about Um, Manufacturing and production I read something very interesting um, On business of fashion And it stated How do we safeguard the people who make our clothing? Because when we look And funny enough um, The guest that we're going to be having in studio Just before we came in we spoke And I said to him um, Fred, do you remember, and you said to me, it's now back in the day, when a 1,000 or 10,000 Chinese people sitting in a factory, and at the end of the day, after 48 hours, they walk away with a <laughs> bag of rice.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> not, it's yes. not funny, but... Because
2: low production, and also because we're going to be speaking about, you know, um, quicker lead times and fast production. Absolutely. And people are just having more people come in and work for them, but... Is it becoming now that people are getting paid less? Are we looking after our people who are making our clothing? Liz, I mean, you have a tailor and you have seamstress working for you. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't give him, you know, just a cup of coffee (laughs) and be like, go home, Sam. Thank you for coming.
1: No, I don't. And like I said, I mean, it's a very interesting topic as well because… More, you've seen that in my space, we've got days where, where the guys work late, I even Uber them home. Yes. Because, yes. Out of respect, you've got to take care of the people Absolutely. who, who are working for you because that is your team. I mean, without these people, I have no, I have nothing to offer. I have yes. nothing, I have no business. So definitely, when there's nice, uh, nice days or nice weeks, you know, buy them lunch when it's their birthday, take them out. This mm-hmm. is, this is like family. I think mm. that treating the people that work for you and help build your brand with respect and with so much TLC is so important. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: Nicola, what's your thoughts? How do you feel? I
1: actually had an interesting conversation with Jacques from Black Coffee about
3: his manufacturing process and the fact that people complain about the price of his clothing. Yeah, And he said he refuses to bow down and bend to a cheaper price because he wants to pay the people who work for him well. And he refuses to make a lower price, um, because there are people who need to live. And I think that's a really interesting approach from a designer. Instead of trying to bend yeah. to the consumer's way, is actually going, you know what? You're paying for people's labor. You're paying yes. for their hard work yes. and their value. And I'm not going to compromise on that. And I think that's a wonderful <coughs> approach that more designers should be taking. And satisfied
2: mm-hmm. workers give their best. The quality of garments they will produce and would be absolutely of top quality. Exactly. And, but that was just a little ice list no, that I wanted to No, I love it. I love in. it. I
1: hope people are paying attention. Do not give your workers a bag of rice. That's not enough. They've got families, they've got yes. homes, they've got bills, just like and we nice do. Skills. And they're so good. They make us look good. Yeah. Anyway, moving on today on the show, we are dissecting uh, another part two of the subject around clothing production. And manufacturing in Africa. And joining us in studio, are our special guests, Martin, D- Martin Disla, uh, Slashy, <laughs> very specialized in quick response fashion through his design and manufacturing offering. And we also, we also have in-house Fred Eboka from Eboka Design. Uh, Fred, welcome to the studio. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So, and just a quick reminder, um, we have a very interesting segment at the end of the show called Who Would You Want to Address and Why? So for our listeners, uh, start thinking about it. We've got about 25, 30, 45 minutes. 30, 45 minutes. We've got some time for you to think about who you want to dress and why so that when we get to share um, our who's and why's, you're also um, welcome to Insta at Fashion Lab AF or uh, Fashion Lab Africa Insta or Fashion Lab AF Twitter. Um, any, anyway, so moving on along, um, we are sitting here dissecting the business again behind Fashion With the topic of production and manufacturing, and we are looking forward to speaking and getting and picking up minds from Martin Disler and um, Fred Aboka. Martin, uh, are you here with us? Hello, Martin.
2: Good afternoon, Martin. How are you doing, sir? Thank you. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to the lab.
4: Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the lab, Martin. Um, We definitely see thirty-eight years later. we have to name you an innovative note within the fashion industry when it comes to manufacturing. And obviously, first of all, first of all I want to congratulate you on creating the first fashion brokerage between design and retail. Um, so would you please share with us and our listeners more about the fashion brokerage process and what it did for you and the brands and for the retailers as well?
4: Well, I think uh, what it did for us was it gave us an opportunity with the least amount of funding to get to retail by going into manufacturers and cutting deals with them to do the funding. As long as we could do the selling and the development of the product, the factories would fund it, and we wouldn't have to find the finance to do so. So it gave us a great opportunity to produce uh, garments with the least amount of funding coming from our side.
1: Wow.
2: Absolutely phenomenal. Um, Martin, with response to, because I read... Um, your buyer that you send as, and my George has dropped and I said, wow, <laughs> for a person who established, you know, different manufacturers in different parts of Europe, it, it's just absolutely phenomenal the type, um, of work that you have done. But Martin, I just wanted to pick your brain when it comes to this fast, quick response. You know, when it comes to, um, how that whole process and what, what it really means when we say, you know, um, fast fashion, quick response, um, if you could maybe just take us through that.
4: Well, I think uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's become a problem in the fashion industry, and it's actually starting to turn around. Um, with the brand growth worldwide, and I know brands are coming into South Africa by the dozen, uh, you've got Dora, you've got Topshop, you've got Diesel, I think H&M is starting to come in. These companies have to react to very quick turnaround on trends. So rather than going to China, where it takes a minimum of 12 weeks to get something manufactured and then they've got to wait for delivery, they need to find response rates that are much less in time so that they can hit the market before anyone else does. So in order to do fast response manufacture, you have to work with all the vertical operations and bring them in line with the right mindset. So from the knitting to the dyeing to the printing to the making to the deliveries to the presentation in stores. Everyone has to sign up for the same attitude before you can be successful.
3: That's an interesting approach, Martin. Hi, it's Nicola.
4: Hi, Nicola. How are you? How are you? <laughs>
3: um, it's My an fellow
4: inter- Afro-optimist.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's very interesting that you say it's a, it's an attitude thing. It's it's about everyone getting the mindset of the fast fashion. And having your knowledge in, in terms of this attitude, are you hoping as an Afro-optimist to bring some of it over here?
4: Well, you know, I, I at the peak of our work for Topshop, uh, The head of the business came over to see our operation, and he asked me what it was, what was our our key to success, and I said it was emotion. And he looked at me completely bemused, and he said, but that word doesn't even enter our vocabulary in retail. And I said, no, emotion is the driving force. And if you are committed and if you're passionate about what you do, then 90% of the work becomes pleasure or passion-pleasure. And the, the 10% is all about luck and opportunity. So I believe that it is about emotion. It is about how strongly you feel about what you're doing.
1: Wow. Martin, where do you see the future of manufacturing and production in Africa?
4: I've got to be honest, I'm worried. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I just saw a segment on, on uh, CNN where they were looking at Les Tutu and um, Obama is bigger than news at the moment because he's visiting Kenya. Uh, Last year, the Americans made available $8 billion to Africa for development in various different areas, medical aid particularly, but also for industry. And in a little place like Lesotho, there is a massive, massive manufacturing community. It's the largest export. Um, It's owned and run by Chinese and Taiwanese. It's all Lesotho workers. And the entire production is for export to the United States. Now, I think that it's come a time where Africa has to recognize that it's enough of people coming here, dumping on South Africans, um, bringing in brands from overseas. There's opportunity here that was developed in the past and be re-established where manufacturing can do what they're doing in the too, but also for local industry.
0: Absolutely. So yeah. I'm
4: optimistic. I'm just concerned because... There's some very powerful players already here.
3: Yes. I think I think it's incredible because people don't know that Lesotho has been manufacturing for so many years. I mean, even um, Bono from U2's uh, label Eden has been manufactured in Lesotho for a number of years now. Um, and, and when you bring people to the awareness that there's major manufacturing happening within the country, they, they're kind of shocked. Um, I think we underestimate ourselves greatly.
4: Well, I think that part of the problem, and i come back to what Nicola said, it's dark mindset. There's an enormous talent base in, in Africa, it's starting to slowly seep through, there's a, a, a look-see coming in from everyone, even on the fashion platform, but digitalization, the, 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 the swift exposure of the access to telephones, smartphones, mm. has shrunk Africa in terms of its capability of reaching more and more people. I remember Nicola mentioned in one of her talks that I went to, and it's correct, that the youngest population on any continent in the world will be Africa in about 15 years. time. Yes, it is. This is a consumer base of massive proportions, and Africans should be feeding Africans.
3: Yes, absolutely. True. Amen to (laughs) that.
4: Absolutely.
2: Martin, thank you so, so, so much. It was absolutely phenomenal for you just, you know, sharing with us in studio and giving your insights as to where we are going, um, you know, as Africa. And I, I think that, you know, if, if, if we concentrate on the key elements that you just spoke about, you know, I think we can move forward and realize the power um, that we have um, as Africans, you know, and That's for us is. to grow our own manufacturing. Uh, Martin, um, again, from us in the studio, it's been phenomenal. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much Keep being the innovator that you were, and I hope that a lot of us will also learn from um, your ways. Thank you
2: so much. And we cannot wait to meet you, Martin. We definitely, yes, definitely. I look forward to that myself. Okay, Martin. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you. Martin. Have a good day.
1: Thank you. Wow, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Fred
0: Thank you yeah.
1: uh, Fred, what are your thoughts um, when you well, listen to Martin Well,
0: I just want to uh, congratulate and uh, Martin first for the incredible innovative intervention in the fashion uh, activities in South Africa, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's very innovative, the thinking behind it, then I was also listening to your thoughts on manufacturing and how to be humane and yeah. all the whole sentiment around how you manufacture uh, having had that i must uh, I must tell you though that we live in a, a global community uh, where you have to understand that when you compete, you are not competing directly with the person sitting beside you. You are competing with somebody else uh, sitting thousands of miles or mm-hmm. hundreds of miles away. And those those are the things that we Africans have to be content with in our reasoning around uh, the business of fashion. Um, luckily, South Africa has a very, very good labor law, so we are not going to, uh, at any time, deal with the issue of bag of rice, uh, the gun uh, those days. But the things that are reality uh, start from policy issues in in Africa or in South Africa. I think we we talked a lot about uh, uh, fashion and manufacturing in Africa and stuffs like that. Yeah, but we totally forget that um, fashion and textile is the entry level of industrialization and technology. And we have to take it very, very seriously.
1: Wow, Fred. Welcome. For those of you who are tuned in, this is the Fashion Lab on Cliff Central. We hold it down here every Friday, 1 to 2 p.m., and we are discussing production and manufacturing in Africa. We are here with Fred Eboka from Eboka Design, and we're obviously going to pick his mind as well just to see, you know, what he's thinking, obviously, as a fashion entrepreneur, as a person who's of African descent, who cares about development within the fashion industry or just generally development. We have to grow as Africans. We can't be sitting on cloud two when people are on cloud 10. Anyway, with um, your store's exclusive offering on both ready-to-wear and custom-designed items, do you produce locally? And if you do, what type of setup? Is it a private workshop? Are you outsourcing some of the stuff? Um, uh, how, how do you work? Yeah,
0: on b- basically, uh, my production, I, I do more couture than mass production. Uh, we're thinking around uh, some limited pritipoté uh, now. Um, yeah i I have few people working for me in my private studio uh, that is how we produce
1: and obviously they don 't go home with a bag of rice no. well they wouldn't
0: they, they wouldn 't go home with a bag of rice yeah. that 's not going to happen but what is going to happen is that we, we really have to uh go beyond um that particular sentiment. I'll give you an example. I remember I was having similar conversation with somebody uh some years ago, about 10 years ago, a decade ago, or or beyond that. And we're talking, and somebody was so angry about what was going on in China. And we're having this serious debate about why we shouldn't buy China and because of the way they produce and everything. But the reality is that whether we want to buy China or not, China is a reality. And today, as we sit here, some of the most expensive products are made in China. The cheapest are made in China. Secondly, because of the uh, initiative Ch- Chinese government and Ch- China took, today their middle class level has incredibly expanded. And the cost of labor in China is no longer what it used to be a decade or two decades ago because of the rise in income and the rise in the economy. So I would say something that I think it's more reasonable to think about. Mm-hmm. It is better to start thinking about manufacturing activity in South Africa, yeah. mm-hmm. in the rural area, taking advantage of those people who are sitting there and not working. You know, it's better to take advantage of them now than to keep hopping on the issue of mm-hmm. labor abuse and all sorts of things like mm-hmm. that. We need to be pragmatic in thinking and we need to think competitively. Mm. Wow. Fred, I just I just want to pick your brain too. I mean with with um as I asked
2: martin concerning you know the quick response is africa ready for that quick response because quick response is going from 160 days to having to deliver your order within 56 days can we take up that responsibility me as a designer you know because we, we we want to make money You know, because now I hear someone say, oh, can you do that within 56 days? And then I jump on it, knowingly that it is not possible. But are we getting to a stage where we can start producing and manufacturing and go into the quick fashion turnaround response?
0: Okay, right now, we we in Africa or in South Africa have to think about the niche market. Yeah. You know, Um, basically in Europe, for instance, uh, there are seasons run – Uh, I mean, ever, I mean, since Zara came into the picture, everything have gone very, Mm. very crazy and they're giving competition to uh, other design houses and other brands, mm-hmm. you know. And as far as I'm concerned, we are not going to compare ourselves to the kind of quick response they have in Western Europe. Yes. Basically, everything that goes up has to come down. Yeah. The yes. rate and the speed at which manufacturing is going today undermines actually the trend itself. Yes. Because there's no way you can convince me as a designer, if you take your work seriously, that you can, you can respond as fast as they are. Mm-hmm. Because now you have to send your trend almost two, three years ahead of time in order to respond as quick as possible. Wow! Mm, so wow. That, that is how intense <laughs> the competition is. Although and that's some
3: where I come in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fa- in
0: 2017
3: already. Yeah. So yeah.
0: As, as far as I'm concerned, I think we shouldn't think about what we can do. We cannot... Uh, 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 respond to. Yes. We should think about what we can do. And what we can do is to think around, the, first of all, the foundation mentality mm-hmm. of how to produce yes. and how to ensure that the production in South Africa is, we will not compete with China, we will not compete with Bangladesh, we does not have the labor capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. But we can think along the line of Turkey yeah. of other smaller countries who have been very successful mm. in you know, addressing the niche market. And I think that South Africa historically did address the niche market because if I might remind you, in South Africa here, the District 6 in Cape Town was known. I mean, I was mm-hmm. in school in America then, and I read about sixty six 6, and I was yes. like, wow, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And that is why when I came from the state to South Africa, I came to Cape Town because I'd read about it, you know. So we, it's not like South Africa had not. South Africa was a, a fashion hub which was recognized in the world, we lost it due to certain policy changes mm. on the industry. You know? So we have to uh, regain it back again, change some policies here and yeah. there, financing here and there, and address the internet issue so we can grow back the uh, manufacturing industry hmm. beyond what it used to be. Wow. Nicola,
1: as a trend, uh, our senior trend analyst, what are your takes as we continue this conversation with Fred? I mean, what is your take from, uh, from a trend perspective?
3: I think uh, you know, taking from what Fred has said, um, I, I think we need foresight as a country, rather than just trying to. Cope on a on a month to month or year to year basis. Absolutely. We need to actually plan ahead and go. You know, what, let's look at 2017 and where where we want to be. There are people around, such as myself, who are analysing trends from an international perspective, and there's no reason why we can't be on par with any other country in the world. And you speak about Turkey, and I mean that is a small country that's producing for some of the major retailers good quality product and i think that we have that, ca- that same capacity absolutely if we build again the foundations mm-hmm. and understand that the training in a couple of years is going to create something substantial so i think uh, foresight mm-hmm. is is most important so looking towards the future which is what i do yeah. is is really important
1: Wow. For those who are tuned in, this is Lisa Gumbo-Regisford, co-host and co-producer of this show, sitting here with Morwick Peterson, co-host and co-producer. We've got Fred Eboka from Eboka Design, and we've got the lovely senior trend analyst, Nicola Cooper. We will be back after the break to just um, continue this interesting conversation.
0: Flying fish now has even more flavor.
1: More flavor! Huh? Hey! Whatcha
0: doing? Bring even more flavor! <laughs> all right, introducing new chilled green apple. Chilled green apple! It's a beer with all the bitterness brewed out and green apple flavor in. I see the flavor's in. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> add some flavor. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Enjoy responsibly. Not for sale to persons under the age of 18.
4: Unreal. Uncensored. On radio, ClipCentral.com dot com.
1: Wow, this is Ashback back, Fashion Lab, right here on Clip Central. And I would like to welcome the lovely Nicola Cooper with her trend report so we can just also um, pick her mind um, as we continue these conversations.
3: Okay, well, thank you very much um, for having me. I'm kind of getting used to the whole radio thing, so (laughs) I've been told to do an opening um, and I have been sort of on social media hashtagging Ask Nicola Cooper um, because I I find it very valuable that I get your input into what you want to hear on the show. Um, So, someone did say through a question to me this week, and I think it's a very vital question. They they had read an article in the Financial Times about Edcon and Edgars, which is one of the major retailers in this country, and what is actually happening to them because they are hemorrhaging uh, money and they are losing, um, well, potentially, they're going to lose a majority of staff. And this is really... um, The unpredictability of trends on the catwalk is now going through into manufacturing and retailers and what happened with Ed Hahn or with Edgar's is that a major recession hit at the same time that they actually chose to go on a major credit roll. Wow. So they were allowing people to buy on credit yet it was the biggest recession since the 1930s Great Depression. So it was w- the worst timing ever. So Edcon's retail sales uh, margin fell from 12.9% in 2006 and um, by 3% to 3.4% by March 2015. And um, sales have also slowed to like a snail pace to a marginal 47 per year in the past five years. Wow. So, I mean, the article actually goes on to explain how it's it kind of echoes when you go into an Edgar's store. And that's very concerning because Edgar's is, you know, uh, It's synonymous with South Africa. We've all purchased there. And places like South African Fashion Week have niche little corners where they host South African fashion designs. So the potential that this major retailer might actually collapse is quite scary. But it's also part of a major, major trend. Because... What What is actually happening Is people are moving away From mass retailing yeah. And they're moving away From the mall philosophy Firstly we don't want to be in malls <laughs> Okay, we want to see the light, we want to see outside, and what is happening is obviously online has become a major uh, platform for young designers, costing very, very little. Markets um, such as Maboneng or the Biscuit Mill in Cape Town where you can buy high-end fashion and people are paying a minimum to host their stock there is affecting major manufacturers and retailers, and it's, the fashion is getting out there because basically South Africa and Africa is remaining an attractive a proposition for international retailers and, um, and coming out of the European market, such as H and M, Topshop, etc. So um, there is a massive growth actually in retail in South Africa.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, and just to add into that, just listening to Fred earlier saying, you know, we really got to focus on niche. So yes. so I'm just adding to that and it really makes sense as you
3: I mean it's, as you share It's your- So interesting to see that textiles, clothing, footwear and leather goods have grown 5.3% mm-hmm. um in the past few years and and the idea is is that it's increased by 3.1%. So the question is is like why you know why are Edgars and major manufacturers getting it so wrong? And I think it's a case of they sort of zigged When they should have zagged.
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) And um, what they did is they underestimated their consumer and the growth of the consumer, particularly the rising black middle class. And most of it was based on people buying on credit. So either you've got people who are highly in debt buying on credit or you've got people who don't actually have to buy on credit. So you've got these two dichotomies, and you know they've engulfed many of of the the big tr- names into um, their their stores, like Busby, um which is Nine West and Aldo and Topshop now, and it's interesting to see that. Um, that they're just not getting it right and standalone stores and markets and, and places like 27 Boxes in Melville are getting it so right because it is niche and it is focusing on the consumer's individuality, not the consumer as a mass audience. Consumer. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's really, um, what, what my trend is about is that new, You know, these kinds of major retailers and manufacturers are finding themselves in very, very hot spots, and they need to start aligning themselves with the trend guys who are opening standalone stores, specialising, you know, in footwear or you know niche product that you can't get anywhere else.
1: Wow, (laughs) Fred Fred definitely has something to say.
0: Well, yes, um, I do appreciate. this is purely my opinion, yes. and if you allow, and me yes, fire coming. I can see fire is going to be spit. If you if you allow me, I would like to just have a little comment because I was uh, about two weeks ago. I was in a, one of this. I'm not going to mention name. One of this uh, huge richest store in Paris. So, i um, when I was in the, in, in uh, uh, was uh, uh, Chantelise. How do you pronounce? it? Chantelise. Champs Yeah. Champs-A-Lizeh. Champs-A-Lizeh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was going around some of these main. Uh, you know, uh, stores that have um, stores in South Africa, mm-hmm. and w- what occurred to me is that if we're not careful, uh, something really bad will continue to yes. happen to fashion industry uh, in in South Africa. Because mm-hmm. you go to some of the stores, you find that South Africa is actually a dumping ground mm-hmm. because some of the products they have here is not what they they have there. Yeah, so they conveniently use South Africa as a Dumping ground. Absolutely. At the expense of shops like Edgar's, which are traditional South African, uh, uh, uh department, department, stores. department store that we ought to protect. Mm-hmm. It is ve- it's a very sad day and yes. news to hear such information. I watched Rex Trueform, which is a major manufacturing, uh, iconic, uh, industry in South Africa, cut into pieces and the House of Monatic, and many, many, many like that. Yes. And if we allow this sort of dumping ground mm-hmm. for South Africa, and we then think that we're having the actual trend, we're really not having the actual trend, because we're getting remnants yes. of what is happening in, in, in Europe. So how we protect that? I don't know. I'm not so sure that the little shops around Mobiling and those places will quite address the issue. No. Yeah, you're very right when you say we have to think ahead of time. Yes. In fact, we have to think beyond three years. We have to think 25 years. Mm. We have to think 50 years. Yeah. Because the what we have in fashion industry today, it it's the groundwork of what happened after the Second World War. You know, the whole uh, fashion. Uh, development in Europe and use it, the whole Marshall Plan to develop and refinance Europe through fashion and design. Yes. The result is what we have in today in the control of fashion all over the world. So we have to be very proactive in thinking. We have to think about short time and we have to think about long time.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I just want to also say, um, Fred. Obviously, you are well traveled. I'm not sure what. How, how is your? Um what is your feedback when it comes to the rest of the continent? Because the one thing I can say for sure is we've got Edgars here, we've got Stata When you go to the rest of the continent, very, very rarely, I mean, someone please call in and tell us which other department store we have in the continent, but do you still feel the same? Um, does this apply to the rest of the continent? Because what South Africa is dealing with right now m- might be a bit different based on yes. the infrastructure yes, in yes, each absolutely. country. Yes,
0: the South Africa today, because, because of... Uh, as South Africa lends itself to, because of the more developed, uh, infrastructure. So it lends itself to this kind of investment, which are, not, I, in my opinion, they are not real investment. They're very artificial investment. Yeah. Mm. Other part of Africa, they, w- they are not, in terms of production, they are not developed at all. Mm-hmm. They are developed to a certain scale, not much at all. Yes. You know, and the problem though is not so much in what the designers are doing or what particularly the fashion industry is doing to that extent. where You know, you must understand that majority of the brands in Europe are controlled by finance companies. It's amazing. They're controlled by huge finance companies. Some of those finance countries also own the major manufacturing industries in China. It's a very complex thing. To get into it, what Africa need... They need, I mean, South, let's have from South Africa, where we're sitting, South Africa need very, very knowledgeable people in the industry mm-hmm. to really articulate the understanding of that industry. I do
3: think that we, we are getting these kinds of individuals who are, like Martin earlier, going yes, overseas, absolutely. getting the experience, yeah. and coming I mean back coming with, back, yeah, with yeah. that knowledge. Yeah. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to highlight the, the Edcon Edgar's issue today is because. This is our industry. Uh, many people are going to possibly lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to, you know, as designers, as trained analysts, um, you know, as m- manufacturers, marketers, how are we going to focus on growing our own industry rather than just throwing our arms open wide to the H&Ms and the chop shops yeah. and things like that? Um, so it was a really interesting thing to see that. I I think the audience needs to understand that, you know, we are changing, times are changing, and I think Edgars needs to understand their audience a little bit better and so do other manufacturers in order to stay abreast of what is happening. So my time is almost up, but I, I thought because we are all wearing like Traditional African print today. Uh-huh. I would like to know because you know, as a trend analyst, you like to say, "I told you so," yes. because <laughs> because you predict things a year in advance. So um, my prediction last year for summer, high summer 2015, um, was a trend called culture clash. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what we are wearing today um, At the end of winter wow. 2015 And the idea is that this is not just a local trend It's actually an international trend With Stella Jean and Gwen Stefani, um, Lamb um, African print is becoming so popular And we're just going to see it growing um, Especially in summer when people are prone to wearing more bright colors And more pattern And this is um, a, a realization of uh, globalization so people are starting to sort of because of social media starting to see things um, that are of interest and of course Africa has beautiful rich luxurious fabrics and it's translating to an international trend so um, um, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to end my segment now with, um, please do tweet me at, um, at Nicola Coop and with the hashtag Ask Cooper and hashtag Fashion Lab. So I can see that I can get all the information to you that you want. Yeah. Thanks.
2: Nicola, I just Thank quickly... You. Thank you. I just quickly, you know, I've been listening to you guys and my mouth is just like drop because... <laughs> Yes, I am the youngest in the room. (laughs) I'm the youngest, but I'm learning so much. But what can we do, Nicola and Fred? I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, what can I do as an African, you know, to come in and say, I want to make a difference. I mean, when we look at that, um, the fashion industry, the clothing, textile and footwear and leather has contributed 8% to the country's GDP. I'm speaking now South Africa. I'm bringing it home but what can i do as a south african as moik peterson sitting right here and what can i do for us to 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 grow our own manufacturing you know our own production because i mean i manufacture my bow ties in south africa but mm. you know sometimes the thought comes because you you, you we sometimes become I, I won't say greedy, mm-hmm. but when when you see digits, money, money, <laughs> and then you just say, okay, yes, I can do it. Um, and the first thing is like China, China. can do it. <laughs> you know, I, I think China can do it. But I, I'm, I'm not looking at, for example, maybe I maybe there's someone in Mauritius, maybe there's someone in Lesotho, maybe exactly. there's someone in Nigeria. Wh- what can I do? I mean, I'm asking you guys because you guys are... I, I think there spirits. has
3: to be, you know, sort of a, a, a list drawn up of, of manufacturers and retailers across the, the continent, the African continent, so that we can actually start realizing that there are factories maybe in Nigeria or in Kenya that can actually manufacture within the continent and, um, rather than shipping it out to another country. Um, we need someone to research and investigate that and offer that to us as African, um, you know, sort of manufacturers or or designers, and I think you know there's a huge prospect in Africa that's just largely untapped.
0: Hmm. Fred, well, um, the mentality has to change first, yeah. Yeah. which is the most difficult thing to change because we have been so um, uh, brainwashed by mm-hmm. certain believe that unless it's outside here it's not good enough Mm. but may I quickly address one notion the notion that it is only Africa because it's African print I I, I think we should Mm. totally Mm. forget about that yes anything if you produce the best suit Mm. that you can wear in in France it is African as long as the money is coming back to (laughs) Mm Africa the reason why Africa become a resource center a research center it's because we are not taking advantage of what is here. Exactly. You know, maybe not to our fault. Our, our the people who are supposed to be the policy uh, determinants are not really doing what they are supposed to be because mm-hmm. maybe they don't understand the industry. What you are supposed to do? Well, think home all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think home all the time. Yes. And and secondly, we should understand that when you buy a product. The value is not only in buying the product, you are also empowering somebody else there. So yes. that's, yeah. Wow. Ooh. Wow. And, and, and,
2: and this is, this is my last thing because I know Liz is going to say, you better stop. What can we do for our government to start understanding that we are not, that we, we big contributors. That's the fashion industry actually contributes major with the total how much GDP I mean. and what we do. But some people still look at us maybe, for example, as architecture and engineering and I, I don't know building and, but I mean, what can we do? Again, I'm sitting as Moik Peterson as being in the fashion industry. How do we educate the government? Because that's where everything starts at the top, the hierarchy. How do we how do we get for them to understand what we are doing and what we are trying to achieve to build
0: Africa?
3: Um, Who are you directing (laughs) that to? Because that's a big question. uh,
0: I, I, I think that what we can do is to continue doing what we're doing now. Mm. Communication is very, very essential. And when we have, I, on, from my perspective, anytime I, have because so a lot of, quite a number of my clients uh, have something or the other to do with government, either minister or whatever, yeah. you know, I engage them. Yeah. And I, 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 I fundamentally let them understand that if you want to grow this economy, the blueprint is there, you know. It has mm. been used everywhere in the world. Yeah. Think, fashion, think textile, understand the technology behind it, understand the science behind it. It is not just about drawing and sketching. Mm-hmm. In fact, the creative part is actually the, the smallest part of it. Mm-hmm. The industry is humongously scientific and technological. And when they go and sign those trade, bilateral, whatever, mm-hmm. big names, they should remember that when you are signing those friendship relationships, you are signing out jobs from South Africa. Mm-hmm. So you have to think seriously about it. i give you an example. The Turkish government have tremendous incentive for manufacturing, whether exporting or internal. South African government has to start thinking seriously about They They have to look at fashion as a way of creating a larger number of employment. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, just to add on to that, Nicola, just to add on to that more is... Um, for me again it's back to mindset but I've always said and my policy always still remains that if we continue doing what we are doing Mm. forget about government because when you think about the whole continent and all of the governments that you want to deal with from each part of the continent you're going to get overwhelmed. So I've always said that if you do and you do and you do and you do it so well it will rub off to them Mm -hmm. and by the time they catch up it'll be fine. So I think it's also just about build and do. If you have a strong network of I- fashion industry professionals in the continent who understand where we are going yes. and work together that all the governments will catch up because they can't, sometimes they're just slower. They hmm. just don't, they don't get things on time. They're busy politicianing, <laughs> around, politicking around <laughs> the area, you know, do. whatever yeah. they
3: do. Yeah. I think, you know, from, from a trend analyst perspective and someone that specializes in globalization and I, am I'm, I'm actually lucky to work with some of the major retailers and manufacturers in South Africa um on the globalization aspect in terms of trends. They're starting to understand really that international trends are not appropriate and that they, we are reappropriating trends for Africa. And I think it is starting and it's it's quite an exciting time, even though we're going through some really hardcore, you know, information today about get, get- it, Um that major manufacturers and retailers are starting to address their consumers and understanding um, that they are separate from the rest of the world and they have different needs and different aspirations. And I'm seeing it from I- an insider's level, and I'm seeing great change within our own industry, which yeah. I hope will trickle up into the government. And I think
2: we should take ownership as africans for me not to be embarrassed and say i'm wearing a piece by Fredo bocca for example if i'm <laughs> traveling in paris because as 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 africans we want to boast about oh i'm wearing a louis vuitton or, or n- nothing against them but when are we going to take ownership so because when i'm in paris then those people can say wow that's a piece by Fredo bocca let me go back to him and f- for the business and stuff to grow.
3: Although I'm not a local <laughs> is lacquer kind of girl, hey? I'm I'm not into that. I think if it's good design, yes. it's good design. And, and yeah. it should be, if yes. it's if it's worth it. But class, I, I do mean class. that, Nicola.
2: I mean for for example again, I look at Liz, <laughs> yeah. I, look at Liz I look at Liz Ugomba's pieces. Um, and I'm not because I'm boasting that she's my business partner and you know, but I look at her stuff. And I say to myself, like, wow, if I was a female... And Mm. I always say to her, and I go through her stuff, (laughs) I'll be like, I will rock this. And I would proudly say... That this is a piece by Liz Gumbo. Yeah. Where is she? She's based in South Africa You know it's, it's about I'm just saying yes for good designs It's not like just taking a, no a strings, nasty looking No strings thing.
1: attached <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly.
3: But it's I for mean, us to
2: take ownership Of promoting local Production so that manufacturing Can grow
3: I think constructive criticism is mm-hmm. also needed In terms of the, this And I mean I've kind of been known for pulling Really funny faces front row um, When I do see bad designs on the runway because it's unacceptable. <laughs> we need to be world class yeah. in order to stand out. And there are designers that are world class in this country. And there are so- some designers that are not. <laughs>
1: Listen, let's go back because I'm about we're about to get to our fun segment. I don't I don't want us to lose time on it. Fred, um, just one last question from us is you obviously I'm quoting unquote. It's truly said that a tree with no roots bears of fruit, I'm sure you're very familiar with that, <laughs> and Definitely. obviously, Eboka design seems to have their root planted firmly in the idea of blending certain aesthetics to produce a really rare, special gem. Mm-hmm. Could you just tell us quickly what's so unique about Eboka and what's so different from because there's a million um, people who say they do uh, what we do. So, what is so unique about Eboka?
0: Well, over the years, um, I. I I've been able to combine my experiences in all the places that I've been privileged to uh, expose myself to. But what become apparent in my um, clothes is the way I've been able to fuse um, my local experience with international uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. And much more special in what I do is the amount of um, attention I pay to quality and detail. And, and that comes from years of experience. That comes from the investment I've made on education and training and stuff like that. So you will see that when you wear Freddie Bokha, you are not only wearing uh, trend, you are wearing history, mm-hmm. you are wearing a, an enormous level of training and understanding. Because people talk about quality all the time. Yeah. Quality is it's philosophy and mentality. Mm, Sometimes that is what you have to teach before you teach the straight line yeah wow. I feel like I'm wearing legacy <laughs> when, when, when I wear clothing like Fred's clothing it's like I'm wearing legacy and absolutely you and can that you, can, you can say that only very few people are trained the way I am Ooh. <laughs> only
1: very few people. Fred before we even get more overwhelmed because <laughs> our <laughs> listeners probably are where can we where can our listeners reach you they can reach me at
0: uh, the first in the Hyatt at Rosnank uh, <laughs> And then uh I have a consulting uh place in uh Pretoria at Brooklyn. At wow. the Brooklyn Mall. No, no not Brooklyn Mall. Three six seven Murray Street, Brooklyn.
1: There you guys, it all. This is Fred yes. Eboca for Eboca Design, holding it down with us in studio. We have come to that point uh, of time where we need to um, quickly just go around and share who we would want to dress and why. And I hope that those who've been listening also have uh, somebody in mind. And it could be for a good reason, it could be for a bad reason. You can share, we'll share live in studio, but you guys can share um, your tweets, um, Fashion Lab AF, or you can share your Fashion Lab um instas on Fashion Lab Africa. Um, we're gonna start You can
2: start with me. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> we're gonna we're start brave. with Morwick, Morwick who do you want to dress
2: and why? Um, who I want to dress for this week is um Steve Harvey. Um I love oh the goodness. way Steve <laughs> – no, but the thing is Steve Harvey is brave and in his aesthetic. He doesn't care, but at the end of the day, he's still a modern-looking gentleman. It's just that his clothing needs to become a little bit more tailored. Yes, the box suit. Yes, oh my he, goodness. he has a box suit, but I think sometimes when it comes with age thing. But, I mean, Steve Harvey, modern gentleman, the way he carries himself, and when you look at him, it he's, he reminds me of myself. You don't. He doesn't just wear a suit now and again, or when you know to go to event or get. He dresses like that every single day. So he inspires me to know that you know. So mine is Steve. Harvey. I was
1: gonna say, please just also try to maybe get him a new cat of the jacket, yes, then maybe then the jackets. pants, because I'm like, please, we're like, this is, this is 2015, Steve. I mean, we love you, but <laughs> if it, we come. will trust you in Morik's hands.
2: And I told him to tune in, Liz, so you better be you better be careful.
1: <laughs> Fred, who would you want
0: to dress and why? Well, you know, I used to fantasize about dressing uh, one person or the other, but uh, so many years ago, I was called by Miriam Makeba. Oh, and mm. I had to dress her for the Grammy Award, which she won. And subsequently, I continued to dress her. May I mean, her soul rest in peace before she passed away. But right now, um, you know, you, I would like to dress you.
1: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yay.
0: I, I think you have a fabulous figure. You oh, know, yeah, she's got a yeah. Thank, you. Like Thank you. Thank
1: you, listeners. That is me, Lizzo Gumbo, that wants yes. to be dressed. <laughs> <laughs> you want, Fred wants to dress me. Yay. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> Nicola Who would you want to dress and why? You know
3: Because I was mentioning her earlier And she's one of my style icons Gwen Stefani Love her style Love her attitude And I'd love to give her Some authentic African stuff That she could rock Because she's like She's the synonymous With the culture class She wore the bindi With African print you know, I'd love to see her Get some, her hands on Some authentic African stuff And rock it in her own way I think that would be awesome
2: Yeah
1: Wow. I, uh, I'm always lately a bit confused about who I want to dress because <laughs> I just can't seem to think. But I'm thinking Leah Kabeda, the supermodel. I think she's, um, she's a beautiful African queen. She definitely represents Africa really well. She's got a beautiful body. She's got a beautiful, um, spirit as well. So mm. she's, she's just, she's like a shining light. And, 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 um, and I'd love to give her a touch of, of what I could offer, make her feel more feminine. And, and feel more fabulous, but still very boldly, because we know that these comes bold. <laughs> <laughs> Just quickly, when
2: you say feminine, because a lot of people get feminine confused, what is feminine?
1: I think for me sometimes, like uh, the other day we spoke about Sierra and who, there's some girls that I find are, uh, 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 you know, when you're slender and tall and a bit skinny, you have to pay attention to certain things, to, to wear certain things that make you still Look very feminine, still bring that sex appeal, but effortlessly. You still want to be chic. And I find that slim girls actually struggle with that a lot, yes. especially models from the modeling industry. And I think that maybe they get so tired of walking down the runway with stuff that they just want to wear pajamas in the rest of the, I mean, uh, do I, am I, am I, are we the same page? Me, yeah. that me, uh, like,
3: <laughs> I just want to wear pajamas like, all the time. Because
2: uh, sorry, I just get confused with this whole feminine you thing. Know,
3: you know, when you're a model and you've got a specific stature, you know, you've got broad shoulders. You, you know, there's certain elements that, you know, you can't actually wear um, traditional clothing. Mm. And so you do actually have to focus, especially mm. if you're skinny and have model boobs, it, which are kind of non-existent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And long legs. And long legs. And sometimes no time, and sometimes the, like. the waist and the hips kind of yes. look yes. like the same size you kind of <laughs> have. What, what are
0: you guys talking about? <laughs> it's, Seriously. It's kind
1: of the, it's a boyish <laughs> figure. Fred has is probably negating this whole conversation <laughs> because he's not saying anything but his facial expression <laughs> says no. <laughs> so but guys look it's been such a great show. Um thank you so much Absolutely. for joining us. And uh, I hope that those who've been listening are inspired. Um if you're not producing locally, please there's a chance. There's a way to what to produce locally. Um we are on Fashion Lab Africa AF on Twitter. We are on Fashion Lab Africa on Instagram. You can catch up with us later on www.fashionlabafrica.com. This is how we hold it down. Peace and love.
4: Ciao ciao bye bye.